All right, all right, all right. What is going on? What is going on? It's your girl, Melba Pearson, Melba from Miami, Melba for Justice, and it's time for another Mondays with Melba. Uh, super excited to dive into our discussion today. Today is Indigenous Peoples Day, and you might be like, well, what is that? So, we all know about Columbus, we all know about Columbus Day, but what we don't often talk about is the damage that Columbus did when he came and discovered, which is kind of hard to discover something that's already there and populated, but anyway, be that as it may, he perpetuated a lot of harm onto our indigenous people. So Indigenous Peoples Day is another way of shifting the focus onto the first peoples, the native peoples that had this land and whose land that we're, we're standing on. We are standing on stolen land. That's just the reality of it. So how do we make sure that we center indigenous peoples every day, but especially today? So to kind of put a finer point on the discussion, I've got my friend Curtis Osceola who is here. He is an assistant public defender and he's a member a very proud member of the Miccosukee tribe. So Curtis, welcome to Mondays with Melba. <laughs> Thank you, Melba. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for the invite and for reaching out. For sure, for sure. So if you could kind of educate folks, like so kind of a big announcement, you know, in this past week where President Biden actually acknowledged Indigenous Peoples Day as a holiday. Can you kind of talk about the significance of that and what that kind of means for Indigenous peoples and the, and the movement in general? Yeah, when you first asked me to do this, uh, that had not happened yet. So um, that's a, that, that is a big development. And, and seeing the, the federal executive uh, stating openly you know, we need to shift the focus from the discovery and um, sort of the discovery um, narrative and shift it to sort of the native narrative and the coexistence narrative, which I think is smart on, on the part of the administration, but also necessary, you know, because there's a lot that I think that uh, my people can share in terms of cultural uh, values and that uh, there's a lot that needs to be taught and explained um about what has happened to native peoples and you know why we're here and what we're doing and and sort of what the what that experience is like because it's not as glamorous as we would like it to be yeah yeah so can you walk a little bit through you know i know it's kind of hard to be like in two minutes tell me about the native because that's kind of but i want to at least give people you know opportunity to scratch the surface and then follow up and do more research kind of on their own and really digest information so can you talk a little bit about why that shift is so important and sort of some of the harms that columbus did you know to native peoples indigenous peoples yeah, I, I think that the uh, the narrative uh, it has this sense of you know Christopher Columbus was this this great discoverer, um, and while he did sort of stumble upon the new world, if you ask a native about what happened, he said, "Well, he got lost in the Atlantic, and then we saved his life and his crew's life once they got here." Um, and not to be standoffish, but just sort of to say like, "Well, you know, he didn't really know where he was." Once he got here, he said, oh, these are Indians. Where's Delhi? Where's, where's Bombay? You know, where, where, where are all these cities that, 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 that I, I've heard of in, in India? Um, and I think it's shifting the focus from what Columbus, um, you know, all the misnomers, all the misidentifications that, that occurred um, 
And then in, in addition, you know, that began sort of the, the colonization era in the new world. And um, when you look back, you know, he, he sailed for Spain, you know, he sailed for Queen Isabella um, and, and that began um, the, the era of the conquistadors. And, and, and that was really the, the impetus for a lot of, I, I think one of the worst periods in Native American cultural history uh, because what it brought along was was disease, was conquest, was was dominance by the European powers, and the destruction really of of what was Native American sovereignty at that point in time in the 15th century. So um, the shift of focus from Columbus as a as a as an explorer and as a discoverer to sort of the Native American experience, I think is necessary. I mean, we have to talk about how, you know, Natives have survived that time period, have survived conquest, have survived cultural assimilation and, and, and attempts at annihilation. And now, you know, there are aspects of our culture that can be um, used and, and, and um, embraced that will enrich I guess, our uh, society. But, you know, that's sort of the canned version of, of what's going on. But um, it's definitely a good start to say, hey, you know, we are recognizing that this is an indigenous, this is an indigenous people's day. This isn't just um, a one-off. Right, right. So do you mind sharing a little bit about your own journey? Um, I think you have a very unique life story that kind of led you to this point. So if you can kind of, you know, share with folks sort of what got you to the point of number one, becoming an attorney, becoming a, a public <laughs> defender, right? Not just, you know, any attorney, but specifically a public servant in that capacity, as well as seek office within your tribe as well, if you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'll start with saying that, um, you know, I, I, I didn't know I wanted to be an attorney um, growing up. It was sort of uh, born out of necessity. Um, I wanted to help my people. Um, and I started off, you know, when, when I was in my teens, uh, working at the health clinic and helping people one at a time. And then uh, after that, I said, you know, well, I want to go to college, want to get an education. And everyone told me, uh, all my mentors and, and people around me said, you know, Curtis, you need a plan. So I made this plan. I said, you know what? I'm going to shoot for the stars. I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to be an attorney in 10 years. This is when I was 19. Um, and I was able to, to make this plan, like, well, I'm going to go to grad. I'm going to go to undergrad. I'm going to go to a grad school. And once I was able to, I'm sort of, you know, making this short, but once I was able to complete the educational portion, then it was like, you know, okay, what? What now, you know, because when I finished my undergraduate degree, I was uh, working at the casino, I was helping the tribe in its businesses. Um, and then I was able to get into law school. And once I finished that, I got into private practice and I represented the tribe in uh, a big pharmaceutical lawsuit um, against Big Pharma over the opioid epidemic because of the effect that uh, opioids and, and those things have had on our communities. Um, but even after that, you know, it was like, well, what, you know, what can I do? What can I learn more? Uh, how can I learn more in this career? And um, I wanted to learn about trial. I wanted to learn about representation, individual representation, how to 
really interpret the constitution. So I got into public defense. And then that's when I really sort of grew and, uh, and became more of an advocate for individual rights and also collective rights, um, particularly for you know, the indigent members of Miami-Dade County. But um, I think it translates really well to um, you know, tribal affairs and, and to the tribe. Um, and so now doing that after two years, um, I made the decision to run for office at my tribe and I'm running for treasurer right now, uh, which is exciting, but also, you know, there's um, your, you know, being familiar with the, the, the justice system in the United States sort of takes away with how much time you spend at home, you know, with, with the tribe and its members. And so I think uh, a lot of what I, I need to do is just to spend time with, with you know, the tribe and its members and, and get everybody sort of reacquainted with me and also just show that like um, it's not as complicated as you think and uh, I, I think I have a good bearing on on, on how to navigate uh, out here and I want to bring the resources that I have uh, in Miami-Dade and, and elsewhere back to the tribe so um, you know there's a lot happening but um, I guess to, to, to sum it up um, I'll just say that um, I didn't know I would be here maybe uh, 12 13 years ago but um, now that I am here, it just seems like the right place to be. Yeah, I mean, one thing's for sure, there's no place like home, right? And there's something to be said about building capacity in our home communities, in our own communities, before we go out and try to, you know, change the world, try changing your block, right? And then and, and exactly. it, can, it can really snowball and have a positive effect. But, you know, so with that legal expertise and that ability to have, you know, you've navigated the waters of, you know, private work you know, on behalf of the tribe, you know, you've seen from the criminal perspective, you know, what's going on with the tribe and how the tribe can be helped. What sort of changes have happened in the legal landscape or the legal arena with regards to indigenous people's rights? Um, you know, have we seen an improvement over the course of the last few years? especially now with a shifting Supreme Court that's becoming more conservative, you know, what sort of the, the how do you see things from that greater perspective? So it, it's interesting, you know, we had um, the Supreme Court uh, shift more to, to the right side of the political um, discourse. But interestingly, uh, with the addition of Justice Gorsuch, you have a jurist that is sort of really attuned to what tribes are dealing with and who understands what tribal sovereignty means and is, is, has shown himself uh, to be an advocate. I think the, the case was McGirt when, when he declared, you know, well, most of Oklahoma was uh, tribal sovereign land, uh, which was really revolutionary. Uh, it, it just, uh, it changed the landscape of, of uh, you know, in Indian tribal sovereignty in one opinion. Um, Wait, so let me let me stop you there for a second. Can you explain to folks what, um, you know, what that sovereignty means? So sovereignty is everything for tribes. Uh, um, tribal sovereignty has to do with, you know, what, what rights does the tribe and its government have to determine for itself what is good and what is right for its own future, for its own people. And um, the ability to do that 
and the ability to sort of say, you know, to wh whether they want to um, provide public housing or, um, you know, give welfare benefits to tribal members or to um, have schools for, for their children, what the curriculum will be. I mean, all of those are elements of sovereignty and we see it debated in, in um, you know, American politics all the time. And we sort of discount it as, you know, oh, that's just politics. But uh, really what those things are, are representations of sovereignty. And especially for tribes, you know, if a tribe wants to teach native languages in their schools, that's a big part of what tribal sovereignty allows them to do. And in, in order for them to do that and then be accredited and be, you know, sort of given deference by like universities or other high schools, I mean, that's a big deal. Um, so sovereignty allows the tribes or I should say empowers the tribes to, to be able to do that uh, without interference from outside governments. And so um, that's sort of what I mean when I say tribal sovereignty, it's sort of, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of it has to do with self-determination and uh, determining what is good for the tribe and its people. So basically, that means that the tribe, so the tribes fall under the federal government, right? So in other words, they need, you know, they, when it comes to law enforcement or anything like that, it tends to go to the feds to be able to, you know, intervene if there's issues, right? And how does that work um, when we talk about like county government, right? So for instance, the Miccosubee tribal land is located in Miami-Dade County, but what is that relationship between the tribe and the county's mayor? Can the county's mayor be like, let me tell you, you know, the school board's gonna dictate what your curriculum is. So, you know, can you break that down a little bit, how that, that works? on a day-to-day -day basis? Sure, yeah. I mean, um, you know, so, so the mayor can't tell us what to do on our lands. And, and the, the, um, even the governor can't tell us what to do on our lands if it's in trust. So the, the current framework is that uh, if, if land is being held in trust uh, for the benefit of Miccosukee by the federal government, well, then we have sort of the, the jurisdiction and the plenary power to you know, determine what we're going to use the land for, and uh, you know how we're going to set up our programs. So whether it's policing, or uh, you know, healthcare, uh, elder benefits, or elder services, you know, all those things are sort of things that the that the Miccosukee government, as a sovereign, will handle, um, and that is with little to no external input from, say, like the county or the state or even the federal government. Um, you know, as, as the legal framework is set up, we are a domestic dependent nation. Ideally, right, what tribes ultimately want is full sovereignty, right, which is to be sort of equivalent to the United States. But as it is um, under the, uh, you know, under the current framework of federal laws, you know, the, the tribes are, are not equal to the federal government. They're more like states, but they're a little bit above. It's like uh, just in between federal and state government. Okay. Um, but, you know, again, I think the dream for most tribal members is full sovereignty, like absolute sovereignty from, um, from other governments. But, um, you know, that's, that's yet to be seen. I, I think that that may be on the horizon, but right now we're just not ready for it. Yeah. Uh -huh. 
So now let's like turn to a discussion that has really gotten to the forefront as a result of the, you know, horrible case of Gabby Petito, right? So, you know, we've all seen nonstop on, on our phones, on every outlet, you know, the, it was really chronicling the search for her, um, you know, the horrible pleas from her father, you know, begging for her safe return. And, you know, unfortunately the discovery of her remains and then now subsequently, you know, the search for her fiance as a person of interest, right? So, but during that time, you know, Deb Holland, who is the Secretary of the Interior and the first, um, you know, Indigenous person to hold that role, um, you know, made a statement and said, listen, what happened to Gabby Petito is horrible. And, you know, we wish her family peace and, and you know, thoughts and prayers and all of that. But there's hundreds and hundreds of indigenous women and girls that go missing every year without so much as a peep, right? And this is not a direct quote, but this is some in substance of what she said, that basically if these, you know, women and girls got the same level of media attention and resources put towards their safe return, we might have a, a different situation as opposed to all these families still searching for closure. So can you talk a little bit, because I can talk to it, speak to it from um, the missing while black type syndrome, right? Where black women and girls receive no attention when it comes to, you know, them being, if they go missing, having a real active uh, effort to find them. But how does that work in the indigenous context? What, what are some of the drivers that are causing it? And what do you actually think is happening to these women and girls? Yeah, I mean, a lot of, you know, so I, I would echo what, what um, Secretary Holland has said. Uh, in that regard, and you know, with relation to that, is that you know what the Gabby uh, the Gabby Petito incident and 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 that circumstance is, is really tragic, and um, but you know a lot of Native peoples they they know what that narrative is they've experienced it um, just like a lot, a lot of uh, Black families have and you're familiar with that as well, and I think that uh, there's sort of overlap in the experience between you know, the uh, Black community and Native American communities because, uh, or, you know, related to, to this topic. Um, and I think a, a, lot, a lot of it has to do with um, just a lack of interest in, in, in media and a lack of interest in the surrounding communities, um, at least for us, you know, and, and, and I think one thing that the tribes could do is to um, you know sort of reach out and be proactive in in notice, right? But on the other hand, um, you know we sort of need to, as a society, give more weight to uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women, missing and murdered uh, Black women, um, because you know th there's a lot of violence that's happening, and um, I think ultimately what happens is it's it's either um, you know, it's domestic violence, it's human trafficking, um, it's, it's things like this. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it has to do with narcotics and, and other trafficking. Um, and it's, it's a shame, you know, that, that, that we're having to, to have this discussion now. But I think what it did was it, it, it sort of lit a, lit a fire in a lot of uh, people and said, you know, well, you know, I, I've heard this story before, but it's never been on CNN. I've heard this story before, but it's never been on my local news station. And everyone's, uh, a lot of people, at least in the indigenous community says, you know, we should start speaking up about 
about this. We need to talk about how our family members are missing and we need to talk about how our communities are, are devastated uh, by this. Um, I don't think there's an easy solution to that, uh, but you know, I think a good start would be to have more recognition in, in you know, the community at large, particularly like the you know, nationwide uh, press coverage. And um, I think we can do our part too in sort of reaching out and, and saying, you know, here are the people who are, are missing. Here are the people who are in danger. Uh, here, here are the people who we think are, are experiencing these uh, atrocities um, at the hands of others. Um, but it's gonna, it's gonna take a collective effort to, to really sort of remedy this, uh, this condition, you know, cause it's like an issue, it's like, it's like an illness, you know, uh, what we're, what we're dealing with, what we're seeing in minority communities with, um, you know, with kidnapping and trafficking. So, um, I, I, I guess all that goes to, to, to say, you know, um, you know, the experience of, of native peoples has been not, you know, not very different from the experience of other minority communities. Um, but uh, ours seems to be at a higher rate. And um, that should shock most people. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have any, because I, I didn't have a chance to pull any stats, do you have any stats offhand as to the, the rates of, of missing? Because I felt like I read something where Indigenous women were eight times as likely to end up being murdered in a domestic violence relationship or something like that, but I don't remember. That, that's a, yeah, that's a stat. Yeah, it's, it's between eight and 10 times more likely to be um, murdered in a domestic violence incident. Um, and then there was another stat that it was, you know, 15, I, I can't remember the exact stat, I don't wanna misquote, but they're far more likely to be uh, exposed to uh, human trafficking or, um, or kidnapping as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do, do you think there's other aspects like, for instance, the fact that I mean, and this is me spending a lot of time on discovery ID, but, you know, a lot of times you, you see situations where some of the tribal lands are a bit rural. So the the lack of enforcement tends to happen because maybe some of the more rural jurisdictions, the local police are, you know, it's five or six of them. It's a small department or anything like that. I mean, do you think that that's part of it or, but then with the same, at the same token with, you know, indigenous tribes being so close to the federal government, you would think that federal agents would come out and help in the search, right? So what sort of the, the disconnect there do you think? Yeah, I mean, the, so rural communities, of course, are going to have more, more issues. I should say they're going to have issues with these types of problems, um, particularly with like kidnapping and, 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 um, and human trafficking. Um, and then the relationship between tribes and the federal government is very tenuous. You know, uh, tribal tribes and their, and their members have uh, a lot of distrust and uh, a lot of reservations, you know, no pun intended, but have a lot of concerns about uh, the federal government and its and its uh, interest in uh, its membership and and with the the operations of the tribe or the goings on of the tribe um, of any tribe. So um, I think there's there's that 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 uh, friction at play also, where it's like, well, you maybe the maybe you know. The tribes want help, but there's also a, a resistance to, you know, outside uh, interference. 
But I think this is one of those issues where I, I think we can all agree that the more uh, people get involved, the better, uh, particularly to recover you know, missing uh, indigenous women uh, and also to uh, have resources to find out how, why, and, and who is committing these murders against indigenous women. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and it's understandable that resistance is understandable. And when you look back at the history of broken promises from like day one, right? So, you know, and this is again, a reminder that, you know, teaching accurate American history is critical for us to figure out the future, right? Because those who don't know their past are doomed to repeat it. So the reality is, you know, America, you know, was founded on again, stolen land and, you know, as such, continue to marginalize and push indigenous peoples off of their native lands, you know, trail of tears, all of that. I mean, it's, this, this is all the stuff we learned about if, if you were, went to school here in, in the U.S., that, that's all stuff that we learned about in elementary school, right? But the thing is, it just kind of, it doesn't stay top of mind. So I think that's why it's so important on days like today that we take that special interest to refresh our memories about the things, the lessons we've learned in the past, and then things that we didn't know, right? Like, so are there any suggested resources if folks want to learn more, read more, like any websites or organizations to follow on social media or any influencers to follow? Um, I know that I follow uh, Wor uh, Whirlog and Arrow because he has really, really dope jewelry, but he also talks a lot about, you know, indigenous peoples and will sometimes, you know, just drop a, a graphic with a, with a piece of knowledge, something that I've never heard of before. So just curious to see what your thoughts were on that. And if there were, you know, particular folks that you like to follow or learn from. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm always interested in, in the legal sphere. Uh, and so I, I always, you know, I, I follow like Turtle Talk and uh, I, I like to see what they post on, on their blogs. You know, so they follow, you know, um, legal issues that have to do with Native Americans and with Native American rights and sovereignty. Um, I also... You know, I follow a few artists. I think that part of what is going on is that there are more native artists that are mainstream, that are becoming more mainstream. And so the, they're the loudest voices that are really getting out the, the, the counter narrative and what I would call the real narrative of what Native American life is like. Um, you know, there's a great show right now on, on Netflix uh, called uh, Reservation Dogs, or sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah that's what it is, Reservation, yeah. <laughs> reservation Dogs. Yeah. It, it is incredible uh, because it, it's really, it, it's a real uh, deep um, expression of, of what life is like for, you know, 21st century natives. And um I would say that you know anyone involved in, in Native American art and expression is really going to be the best people. And so for me, my favorite artist is Bunky Echo Hawk. I follow him. Um, you know he has a lot of great uh, material. And then anyone connected to the Echo Hawk family, you know they they've been involved in you know American politics and law for as long as I can remember. Um, so you know that's a good starting point. But you know there's too many to name. You know, there, there are so many people now, I think it's a really grassroots uh, effort by natives to get their, get their point across. 
and to get the narrative out. And I guess the, 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 main, the, the main point or the main uh, request from, from me would be just to take a moment and listen and, and don't feel bad about questions. You know, you, can you can't imagine the questions that I've gotten over the years. They've been good, they've been bad, they've been smart, they've been not so smart, but at least people are asking them, you know? And, and I, I don't care, uh, you know, what kind of question you have to ask. I'm gonna take the time and I'm gonna have the conversation with you, you know? And so I, I think a lot, of, a lot of natives are willing to do that. And uh, because we, we want you to understand what our experience is and we want you to understand that our culture is important too and that our way of life should be preserved. You know, if we can do that, then I think that, uh, you know, we're doing good for, for Native Americans and we're getting closer to that, that goal of sovereignty for, uh, for Natives. So I, that's, that's, I guess, what I have to put forward on, on that issue. Cool. So I'm going to drop those um, links in the, in, the, in the comments so that folks can click on that and, you know, use that as a, a starting point. Um, one more thing before we wrap up for today, how accurate is Yellowstone and speaking to the indigenous experience? Because I've been kind of, I've been kind of digging that show. I know a new season's coming up now, but you know, again, this is Hollywood, so. Well, you know. like, like, like with any, of course, like with any fiction, you know, there, there's some things that are true and there's some things that are not. Um, I think that, um, I mean, all you have to do is, is. Um, you know, look at any uh, Native American reservation and, and see what, what's happened around them. You know, it, I think it happens everywhere. Um, you know, you're gonna have the same problems that any society has. You're gonna have the same experiences that any society has. But I think um, with Native Americans, we're more um, at risk for, you know, things like substance abuse. We're more at risk for, um, things like uh, diabetes, obesity, uh, we're more at risk for uh, crime, like, um, you know, domestic violence, um, you know, and, um, you know, kidnapping and human trafficking. Uh, so, and I, I don't think that, it, it, that, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't fall, or that shouldn't be, be, be heard and, and, and taken lightly. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with that original experience, uh, with that original, that original sin of, of the uh, colonists, and that you know we've been uh, it, it's it, you know it's been a uh, it's been a conquest, and the the residual effects of that conquest are a lot like the residual consequences of a rape, and um, you know tribes are recovering now, and sort of becoming less oriented towards survival and more oriented toward growth. And, and, and to thrive. And uh, I think that's important to observe. And I think that we're seeing it in our expressions in art and media, um, you know, in, in, in any format. But, um, you know, I, I am encouraged by seeing more Native American representation in the media. Uh, I just hope that we can pivot it and make it more positive and um, share a sense of humor but also sense uh, also our, our cultural values in a, in a positive light. So that's, uh, that's what I would like to see. For sure. 
Awesome. Well, Curtis, thank you so much for hanging out with me on Mondays with Melba and sharing your thoughts and, and dropping some knowledge. So, and, uh, you know, really wish you luck on your uh, quest for leadership in the, in the tribe and, you know, anything that I can do to support you and to, you know, again, bring awareness around uh, Indigenous concerns, you know, just think of me as an ally, however I can help. Thank you so much, Melba. I really appreciate the invitation. Awesome. Take good care, everyone. Bye.